can be heard at 8 a.m. on Morning Maine and in its entirety at 5 p.m. Democracy Now!'s War and Peace Report provides our audience with access to people and perspectives rarely heard in the U.S. corporate-sponsored media, including independent and international journalists and ordinary people from around the world who are directly affected by U.S. foreign policy. For alternative news analysis, tune into Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman weekdays at 8 a.m. for the headlines and 5 p.m. for the complete hour, only on Community Radio WERU-FM. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. 45 seconds before the hour, 4 o'clock. Time enough to give you a few little hints about the weather coming up. Partly sunny the rest of the day. Highs of 56 gone by already. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low 45 Thursday. Chance of rain, then continuing rain after 9 a.m. High of 52. Thursday night, rain, then rain likely all evening. Low 41. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, streaming live on the Internet at WERU.org. Stay tuned for Main Currents, a reminder that we are listener-supported, we are volunteer-powered, and don't forget we are voice of many voices. And speaking of voices of many voices, here comes Main Currents. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. Our multi-partisan panel of area residents are with me again this week for one last discussion of the 2016 elections prior to Election Day. We're going to go around the table for a last check-in about how they're planning to vote and why. And when they're done, we'll open the phone lines and ask you, the listeners, to call in and answer those questions yourselves. So stick around. We want to hear from you, too. But it's been a while since we've heard from the panel here in the studio, and we haven't heard at all, really, from our newest panelist, Thomas White, who's just joined us last week. He's taken the place of Dave Goulia, who was in our Trump supporter seat for the previous months. And so welcome back, everybody. I'm going to have you introduce yourself, starting with Thomas. Thank you, Amy. Uh, my name is Thomas White. I'm the head of the College Republicans at Maine Maritime Academy. I got involved two years ago um, with the Republican Party and haven't stopped. I'm voting for Donald Trump uh, this year because he is an outsider. He has something uh, that I haven't seen in the field before. He reminds me of Governor LePage, who has, I think has gone to work every day for Mainers. Whether you agree or disagree with the governor, you know he's trying to get something done, in my opinion. Uh, for Congress, second district, Congressman Poliquin, great guy. Uh, I've worked with him or worked for him and have volunteered for him. And I'm hoping that he'll represent the second district again. I have voted no on all uh, citizen referendums, one through five. I don't think they are good for the citizens of Maine. And question six, I voted yes on. Oh, you voted already? Yeah, I have. I've cast my ballot two days ago. I sent it back in the mail, uh, so I'm pretty excited to have already voted. And yeah, great, great. Renee, trust you're up next. Uh, we're once again we're uh, pa- passing microphones around here. We've got the studio crowded, so bear with us for a little bit of uh, mic movement sounds. But it's well worth it to hear everyone's voice. So <laughs> welcome back, Renee. Yeah, thanks, um, Renee. Trust from Franklin and. Um, There's been a few new developments in my world, and it started out with today, me watching a a little video with um, Bill Weld all but endorsing Hillary Clinton. So what I... he's the running mate for... Right, he's the VP um, running mate for Gary Johnson, who, you know, I'm not, you know... (laughs) I'm not a huge Gary Johnson fan, although I did vote for him last go-around, and... um, and I was, you know, thinking I'm going to vote. F- I really liked Bill Weld until today, and um, and that's a deal breaker. I've taken the bumper sticker off my car, other than the little slogan that says "Live Free." I have. Um, I'm going to take the sign off my front yard when I go home. I just, um, yeah, it's pretty radical. And I don't know who I'm going to vote for at the top of the ticket, but I'm entertaining ideas and. Um, all bets are off at this point. 
Um, I am definitely voting for Bruce Poliquin. He's doing a fantastic job for CD2, and uh, he is running for the right reasons. He wants to make Mainer's lives prosperous and keep us safe. I'm going to vote no on every single um, referendum issue, including number six, um, and I have a lot of reasons I'm not going to go through them in, in the interest in, of time. Maybe it'll come up. I have great um, reasons for all of those. And so now um, that was kind of it. I'll pass. All right. I just, I just <laughs> changed your, uh, your description to undecided. Apathetic, undecided. possibly. So you're the, no- <laughs> you're the November surprise, <laughs> Renee. <laughs> I think there are some people in this room that might try to sell you a candidate. <laughs> Ken Gleason, you're right. up next. Hi. Yeah, I'd love to sell you a candidate. I don't, I don't think, think you're chances, going to happen <laughs> I don't think my chances are very high. People seem to have their minds made up. Try to talk Maybe. into the microphone. Oh, yeah, there. right. Hi, microphone. Ken Gleason here. I'm the guy who's been an independent for I don't know how many decades. Uh, haven't watched the news or listened to the radio for just about 10 years until recently, and I climbed out of the cobwebs to... Uh, because I was very concerned about uh, the presidential candidate for the Republican Party, mainly. Um, I, I, he's an interesting guy, a charming guy, but uh, I, you know, to me, he's a flim-flam man, and uh, and he's a brilliant work in the media, and he's brilliant telling people what they want to hear. But I don't see him. Uh, scares me to think of him having the powers that go along with the presidency. So waking up, I, I, I like Bernie. Um, and, uh, and then when he uh, threw in his, uh, his weight after Hillary, I paid more attention to her. I, uh, I watched the convention on TV after I got my antenna attached to my chimney. And uh, I... I watched a little of the Republican convention, which I found very difficult. It was just negative, 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 negative. And then the Democratic, I I learned a lot about Hillary uh, and uh, learned to, uh, you know, respect her. I've been pretty overwhelmed looking at the TV and the radio and, and everybody saying everything. And how do you know what to believe? It's very difficult. Um... I have learned that the uh, Republican uh, machine has been smearing Hillary Clinton for 25 years. Uh, And I frankly think a lot of the negative feelings about her are a result of their hundreds of millions of dollars of propaganda work. Uh, Personally, I'm strongly for her. I think she has a lot to offer, experience, dedication. I really see her as a progressive candidate, and and I really see her party having been uh, greatly improved by Bernie's efforts and her accommodation of his ideas. I think the best chance to really accomplish some real change is is in the Democratic Party with Hillary Clinton. Um, and I uh, better wind it up here for now. Uh, So I'm definitely voting for her. I'm voting for other Democrats on the ticket, Uh, Emily Kane especially. I know a little bit about her. And uh, Mr. Fisher, I think. Um, And I'm voting yes on all the referendum issues. They all make good sense to me. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ken Gleason. Tim Wilson, grab that microphone. You are up next. All right, Tim Wilson from Belfast, Maine. And uh, let's see, I'll be supporting Jill Stein uh, for the presidential vote. And the reason is because I uh, believe very strongly that we should head towards, uh, take a new direction. And I want to head towards uh, a healthy world of sustainable peace and prosperity. So healthy world, peace and prosperity, climate, peace and prosperity are my big things. And uh, since we lead the world in, in pollution, war, and debt, uh, it's kind of antithetical to that direction. And I think there's only one candidate that will take us in a new direction and fight for small business over big business and fight to free our markets instead of having them controlled by large corporate entities and fight to get us into a renewable energy future uh, instead of a fossil fuel-dependent one. Um, so that's why I support Jill. 
Uh, and then for those Waldo County listeners, uh, Jonathan Fulford is my number one pick um, for, for local Maine people. I also did uh, run into a friend from the Bernie campaign who is uh, working in the Democratic Party now. And he was very encouraging about Maine's future and the future of the Democratic Party in Maine because uh, as a result of this election, uh, it has uh, been revitalized with some, some Bernie blood. And, uh, and, and that Bernie blood has a majority on some state committees and such. So we'll see how that all works out. He uh, is definitely interested in working in the Green Party as well. <laughs> so he's crossing over. So you and Ken were both uh, Bernie Sanders supporters to start with, went in different directions. Yes. Yep. You are a third-degree burner. You've sometimes I am a third-degree burner. I am I'm an issues voter and always have been. And uh, mainly my biggest single thing is I think corporations have too much power. And the result is, is that they're interfering in our campaign finance. They're interfering in our Supreme Court. Now the Republican Supreme Court nominees voted for Citizens United uh, in that decision that, um, you know, there's the Republicans are working for to cut taxes on corporations, which makes them stronger, and reduce regulation, which makes them stronger. And, uh, and small business right now is, is withering. Uh, and and single-payer health care is nothing. Single-payer health care gives a huge advantage to large corporations because, I mean, having the existing system gives a large advantage to, to big corporations because it ra- it, corporations have a lower per-cost employee cost than small business. So it's a systemic way for big business to trounce down small business. And that's why I'm very strongly for Medicare for All and just lowering the you know, eligibility age for Medicare for All. Do you want to weigh in quickly on um, uh, Poliquin versus Kane and on the um, ballot questions, the citizen initiatives and question six? Uh, sure. Look, I mean, I'm supporting Emily uh, and not necessarily strongly, but I think she's a good she's a good candidate and a good voice and one that's needed in Congress. And then. On the, uh, the, you know, I have a mixed bag. It's kind of complicated on the, on the, uh, on the referendums. But the biggie for me is five. The five opens the political process. That's ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting to let you vote. Say this is my favorite candidate. This is my second favorite. This is my third ca- favorite. So if you have a primary, whether it's Republican or Democrat, and you have five or six or seven candidates, you can rank them, um, and and that way you can express your preferences and and have a good chance of, of getting somebody that you really like. The other thing is I think it's very empowering for a governor, especially to have a majority. That is, it's difficult to go through a term where you, where you're constantly being confronted with you only got 37 percent or or less than the majority. You're not representing the whole state. You're you're representing a strong minority. So. I think that's uh, disempowering, and, and ranked choice voting would address that. All right. Thanks, Tim. Betsy Gerald. Hi, I'm Betsy Gerald. I'm um, the New England Regional Coordinator for the Stein-Baraka campaign. The campaign hired me back in August to run the ground game in New England and Delaware, and I've been doing that ever since. And I'm really glad there's only six more days. Um, and <laughs> I... Um, and of course, voting for Dr. Stein and Mr. Baraka, I just have been in the Green Party since 1999 and feel very strongly about building the strength of the party to give people a real alternative. People are always saying how they would like a third party, how they would like an alternative to the corporate duopoly. And um, this is our best chance in my political life for us to actually have a third party. Um, if we, if the Green Party across the country gets 5% of the vote, then the Federal Elections Commission recognizes us as a minor party. And that opens up some ballot lines to us so we won't have the struggle of, of uh, ballot access that we've had in the past across the country. And it also opens up um, some federal funding for us, which which would be very helpful for us because we are not a non-corporate party. We do not take donations from corporate fat cats and secret super cat packs. And so um, that we do struggle because even though I – don't agree with Citizen United. I have to, I have to kind of say, yeah, money is speech in this country, and that's a sad, sad commentary on our culture. 
Um, so um, ha having more uh, financial backing for the party will make it a much more viable option. Um, this past week, I have we went and had a. Uh, really great rally down in Boston where we had hundreds of people pack our venue for Dr. Stein. We didn't have to Photoshop in any faces. There were actually people there. <laughs> um, and so that was very encouraging. And, and as tired as I am, I, I just, it, it really re-energized me for the, this last push. For those that aren't familiar with the photoshopping, oh, you uh, need to say that into a mic. For those that aren't familiar with the photoshopping, can you just elaborate on that? <laughs> well, there's reason? there are some memes that are going around Facebook, and 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 you know, how much you can you trust and how much you can't is is up in the air. But there are some some memes going around Facebook right now that a lot of the Clinton rallies have been not quite as full as they may have been made to look. Anyhow, down ticket. Down ticket's really important. I personally, and I cast my vote last week, so yay, um, for those of us that have already voted. Um, and early voting is going to be huge this year. My town clerk said that it's the busiest early voting she's ever seen. So, um, so for those of you that have gone out and cast your votes, good on you. Um, and I, um, of course, voted for Dr. Stein at the top of the ticket. I skipped the congressional race because I could not bring in good conscience vote for either of the candidates that are in the race. Um, and I um, voted for uh, Jonathan Fulford as my um, state senator. And I'm going to push the local candidate that I've been working for, even though I'm not in his district and I couldn't vote for him, Paige Ziegler in District 96. Go, Paige. Um, and I voted no on question one because of the corporatization um, aspect of it. I just that's the marijuana I, legalization. That's the marijuana question. legalization question, and I and I really thought it was going to support small farmers. It's not, and so I voted no. I voted yes on the rest of the referendums. All right. Thanks, everybody. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. We've got our multi-partisan panel here with us again this week for one last check-in before the election. And we want to hear from you as well. The phone number is 1-800, if you're calling, if you want to call um, toll-free, excuse me, one 625 Nine three seven eight again one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or you can just call locally at four six nine oh five hundred if you have W E R U programmed into your phone to make requests for the music shows it's that same line into the studio John Greenman is our engineer today he'll take your call and patch you right through and you can let us know who you are planning to vote for or what you are planning to vote on the questions and why again. Four six nine oh five hundred. It looks like we've got the phone lines filling up, and our first caller today is Joe. Welcome Yo. to the program, Yo. Good afternoon. This is Joe in Tremont. I have a comment about question one. The only reason anyone thinks marijuana is bad is because they lied about it. The only reason anyone thinks question one is good is because they lied about it. Given the drug war was invented to crush political dissent, anyone who thinks it is a step in the right direction should ask herself this question. Why help the conspiracy prolong legal prohibition of the weed? Question one means lower quality, higher prices, and more drug busts. On question one, a no vote is a vote for freedom. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thanks for your call, Yo, and kicking off the callers today, we have also Nick in Bangor. Welcome to Maine Currents. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I just listened to the last caller, and from the uh, Green Party representatives say they're voting no on question one. It's just surprising to me that progressives, uh, people who understand the war on drugs has failed, and people who understand the therapeutic benefits of marijuana would vote against this measure. Um, it, <laughs> if you look in the bill, it's not a corporatization of marijuana. There's a lot of limits on how big the commercial grows can be, the maximum of the largest being 30,000 square feet. Everyone over 21 can grow in their home. Um, and, uh, and it protects the medical marijuana program, doesn't, doesn't touch it. So there has been a lot of misinformation about question one, and it's just sad to see that a lot of progressives and greens um, and and marijuana advocates are voting against it because of a lot of the lies, uh, outright lies that have been told about this bill. So uh, thank you for having me on, and 
people should really look at this bill. Um, it would be the most liberal legalization program in the country. So I believe it, t- gives a, it uh, warrants a second look for those that are worried about big companies. Thanks for your call, Nick. We have another caller in line. We're going to ask you to hold for just a second so we can give Betsy Gerald a chance to respond to that since that was directed at her. And also, I want to direct listeners uh, to the WERU archives. This group has, we've done two programs, one with this group and one without the group present on question one that are on uh, WERU.org. Go to the Public Affairs Archives and then click on Main Currents. Betsy Gerald, you wanted to respond? Yeah, I just want to clarify. The the Green Party, the Green Independent Party in Maine has come out in favor of question one, so I am not representing the party's um, opinion on that particular question, but I am the executive director of a small nonprofit called Food for Maine's Future that um, helps small farmers and farm workers, and I looked at this question very, very carefully from that angle, and I talked to, to Hillary Lister, who I have immense respect for, and, and really gave this some deep, deep thought I had good friends on both sides of the of this issue. We should clarify for anyone who isn't aware, Hillary, Hillary Lister is one of the people who is opposing question one. She also was a guest in the last show that we did about question one. And she's and she's someone who has um, for years lobbied for the medical marijuana right, folks. Right. And so she feels that it is going to have an impact on the medical marijuana um, program. And, and as I said, I have great respect for Hillary and I, I this was not an easy choice for me, but I, I came down on the side of no. All right. Uh, we have another call from Bill in Hamden. Go ahead, Bill. Welcome to Maine Currents. Hi. Um, just commenting on the presidential election. Uh, in this country, we don't have a parliamentary system, and we don't have ranked choice voting either. So Yet. In the presidential election, it's, it's going to be either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Uh, one of those is going to be our next president. Uh, and going back to the Florida 2000 presidential race, there were less than 600 votes that separated Bush and Gore. Ralph Nader took over 97,000 votes in Florida. Most of those votes, if they hadn't gone to Nader, would have gone to Gore. And uh, if Gore had won Florida, he would have been our president. We wouldn't have had the Iraq War. We wouldn't have had those huge tax cuts. And we would have started to do something about climate change. So I just urge voters to thinking about voting for Jill Stein, this isn't the time to vote for an ideal candidate that has no chance of winning. Trump has a very real chance of winning the second district of Maine, which gives him a chance to win the presidential election. And I just think that would be a disaster. So I just really urge people to think long and seriously about the consequences of a Trump presidency. Thanks for your call, Bill. Again, the phone number is 469-0500, 469-0500, or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. And Nate Silver of 538 says that Trump is closing in on Hillary's lead, so he has a yeah. chance of not only winning the second district, he has a chance of winning, period. Uh, I know that you want to weigh in, Tim, on the uh, um, issue about the Green Party, and I think our Trump supporter might want to have a comment, too. Go ahead, Tim. This is Tim Wilson. Well, on the uh, 2000 election, briefly, I mean, they, there was thousands. I think it was 56,000 votes of voters were disenfranchised there, uh, almost entirely black. Uh, the Black Caucus went down there to protest it, um, protest that particular choice. And uh, there was one guy there fighting for with him as well. That was Bernie Sanders. Um, Al Gore wasn't with that contingent contesting that, that finding. Um, the other thing is that real change in this country, major change in this country, has only really happened when outside forces came to play. So, in other words, you know, the only reason that Social Security was ever enacted was because the rise of the Socialist Party. The, the reason that the deficit became part of the conversation in the 1990s was because of Ross Perot. Uh, so outside uh, parties, even if they do less than win, they can and do influence uh, the the major parties. I mean, if if you really want our votes, it's our votes are easy to get. All you have to do is have an agenda that addresses climate change, that has a peace plan. Uh, the major parties all have war plans; they don't have peace plans. And uh, and you have to address corporate power. You cannot give so much power to large companies and such an advantage to large companies systemically. Uh, and then there's, there's a question of priorities and prioritization. 
if you're going to have drone warfare and so on. Okay, sorry, we have calls on the line, but uh, the point is, is that the major parties have to address the concerns of people. And if they don't do that, then they won't gain gain our votes. Okay, I want to give uh, Thomas White, a Trump supporter, a, a second to weigh in on that since Trump was mentioned. Yeah. First, I want to say that no matter if you're voting for a major party or a third-party candidate, it's important to vote. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is, in my opinion, as long as you're doing your civil duty, it's it's a good it's a good deed in my book. Uh, to go to the Trump, I don't think a Trump presidency is is a disaster like everybody is making it out to sound in the media. The man was successful in business in New York City, the most diverse city uh, for business in the world. He's worked with many different groups running his companies. Yes, his companies, there are a few that have failed and have gone bankrupt, but that's part of the game, unfortunately. I think Trump brings something different because he's an outsider and he can see something that hasn't been seen uh, Bring, he brings a different set of eyes to the presidency. We have had career politicians or presidential um, candidates that have been in the game for a while, and I think it's time that we get somebody completely out there in there. So. All right. You're listening to Main Currents on WERU. We have both phone lines tied up right now, so uh, you are not going to be able to get through if you try calling right now, but we're going to take a couple calls, then we'll hear again from our panel. I believe the caller that we have on the line now is Robert Strauss, the author of Worst Period, President Period, Ever Period. Uh, James Buchanan, The POTUS Rating Game and the Legacy of the Least of the Lesser Presidents. And I hope I'm correct, because otherwise I just gave a whole long introduction to the wrong caller. But I think I'm right. Correct, Robert? Yes, I am. Right. I'm a friend of John's, your engineer, and he suggested I listen and call. I've been listening. I've been interested. All right. Um, but yes, uh, I've uh, my, my book is pretty much about uh, the guy who really was the worst president. I'd have to say that, uh, you know, I'm sure that partisans of each side think the other side is, is a candidate there, but I'd have to, I don't think that either one of them is going to start the Civil War again. So uh, I think people should take a little grasp and look at history and see that our American presidential history is full of crazy elections. Uh, as crazy as this one. As crazy as this one. I mean, just to give you a perspective of 1856, is that there were two new parties. <laughs> one, one was the Know Nothing Party. And if you can imagine an election where somebody calls itself the Know Nothing Party, you have to think it's a little different than today. Their, uh, their big issue was they were anti-immigration, but it was anti-Catholic immigration. They didn't like the, uh, the uh, Germans and the Irish coming here and taking over their jobs and sort of suspected the Pope was going to set up shop somewhere on Pennsylvania Avenue. And then there was this other new party, the Republicans, who, strangely enough, nominated a celebrity, John Fremont, who was the called the Pathfinder. He was, a, uh, he was the guy who did all the uh, routes to the West. And he married a young woman uh, who was the daughter of a sitting Democratic senator, Thomas Benton, and she gussied up his, his journals, much like Chris Kardashian and Bruce Jenner, and made, him, uh, made it a bestseller and made him a celebrity and the choice of the Republican Party. So things are not so different. Oh, and, and of course, the Democrats nominated the most uh, uh, James Buchanan, who served the most years in governmental uh, positions of any president who's ever run. So or any Kennedy's ever run for president. So there you have, you know, your quasi-Hillary um, <laughs> comparison. So, so it's, not, it's not so far off 160 years back. All right, so some context for the election today. Uh, again, the book is called Worst President Ever. It's by Robert Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S-S. -S. And uh, what is the publisher? It, it's Lions Press. Lions Press. All right, and this just came out. Just came out at the beginning of October, yeah. All right. Thank, thanks for calling in, Robert. Appreciate Thank you for call. having me. The, the caricature on the front of the book <laughs> reminds me of Bill Weld. <laughs> <laughs> Renee's having some issues today. with Bill Weld today. <laughs> Michael from Swanville, thank you for your patience. Michael called 469-0500. I think we have a line open now if, you, if any of you listeners would like to be next up on deck. Uh, welcome to Maine Currents, Michael. Yes, yeah, thank you, and good afternoon. Um, 
I would like to encourage anybody who's thinking about abstaining from voting that they shouldn't feel bad about it because I think it's been proven by scholars uh, that have appeared on WERU that the ascendancy of economic power over political power is to such a level that um, the political power can't actually trump the economic power in any way, shape, or form. And so, uh, and then secondarily, I think even like the gentleman who had wished that Gore would be president and presumed a bunch of pretty reasonable things about what Gore might have done according to his rhetoric, the people who voted for Obama presumed that he was going to end the war and bring the troops home. Do we remember that, people? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael, are you talking about John Perkins' uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman? Hi, uh, I... I, I might be. I read it, but I I, I, I wasn't. I was only referring to the gentleman who called. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, that's a that's a good resource for for the for this whole discussion. And uh, and I'm I'm pretty confident that we're not going to get meaningful political change by selecting a presidential candidate who's been selected for us. And um, you know, I think we're out, we're actually out of that and beyond that. I hope that people do well in the referenda and in the local elections. And as far as our national destiny. It's really not in your hands as a voter. All right. Thanks, thanks for calling, Michael. I think Ken wanted to weigh in, and then Renee also. Yeah, uh, thanks for that call. It's Ken Gleason. Um, boy, I certainly agree that it's the money in politics that is a huge problem and must be changed. I guess I have some optimism it can be. And, again, I think uh, Hillary and the Democrats, with Bernie's help, uh, will address that. And... Uh, I think she's very practical. She's talking to people on Wall Street. Everyone lambastes her for talking to people on Wall Street, but they've got the power. They've got to be part of the solution. And I uh, just thought I'd throw that in. I was going to say something. Oh, just in one little fact. I mean, Obama, the, the number of troops that are over there now is a fraction of what it was before. Now, you can say he hasn't brought every single troop back, but it's gone down from what, 250,000 to 3,000? I, th I think we have to look at the numbers on these things, and uh, that really makes a difference. Thanks. All right. Renee Trust. Yeah, um, I wanted to weigh in several times on a bunch of different stuff, so I guess I'll pick you the first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, first one is this... Um, what do they call it? Uh, early voting. Uh, didn't it used to be called absentee voting? It still and, is. In and May, wasn't it, it still is. And wasn't it like for a purpose, a specific purpose for people like, I remember one time I took a vacation in November and I had to do absentee voting. Isn't it for people that are doing that or people that are old and can't get out of their homes? You know, I don't agree with early voting at all. I think it's um, used to strategize way too much. And if I'd done it, I've changed my mind. And it, that that would be horrible to you know know that I voted uh, uh, you know wrong. So that was that was one thing. The other thing is that caller Bill a few calls ago. He makes a pretty darn good case for me to vote for Trump. I'll pass. <laughs> well, I, okay. So just can I, this yeah, is Betsy, and I just want to address. I, I voted early because I will be extremely busy on election day, mm -hmm. and so you know, and so I hear what you're saying about legitimate reasons. It it also just is you know it's it's easier for folks who are working, and almost everybody's working these days. So. Some places have a holiday on election yes. day, so that nobody has yeah, to work. Not not the United States, but anyhow, um, yeah. So I just wanted to, wanted to throw that in, and and um. I think we, we may have a, another caller, caller okay. on the line. Oh, okay. John looked like he was writing something down. Um, no, asking if you can change your early vote. Yes, no, yes, you yes. That, thank you, John, because I wanted to say that. And you can. If you voted early and you change your mind, like if you had voted, Renee, and you changed your mind, you could go into your town you clerk and get your because it's still in a sealed envelope. The envelope doesn't get opened until Election Day. This is my understanding, anyhow. I'm not a town clerk, but this is... I, so you can get your sealed envelope back and change your vote. Yeah, but that sounds as crazy as ranked choice voting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you and I have a different sort of opinion about that. So. Well, we have a couple but of different anyways. topics we're going to get to, but we're going to stop first and take a call from uh, Janice from Washington Knox. I, I guess that's as opposed to Washington, D.C. Welcome to the program, Janice. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Fine. I, I uh, just tuned in a little while ago, and I may have missed some things, but I wanted to um, comment uh, about um, a, a comment that somebody had made about that he thought uh, Trump, you know, was a successful businessman. The records do not support that. He's had many um, issues of not paying people. 
and um, personal and anecdotal, and there's there's a pattern there. And of course, we won't know till after election day the alleged sexual crimes that he that that are relevant because they are they, they, there's legal proceedings that are going to follow them. The other thing was so. You know, we we shouldn't make false equivalencies. Also, as far as um, Hillary's emails and uh, the things that he has done, the other thing is that I really <laughs> want to mention is um, Bernie Sanders is supporting Hillary and thinks that um, we can do more to get big money out of politics with her because Donald Trump has indicated that he. Uh, will not. He's not aware of the Constitution. He's indicated that by some of the comments he's made. Um, may have been joking, or may not have been about. Let's just do away with the election and appoint me. Um, it, it, I, I, I think that we really need to pay attention when he says things like that, because he may scrap the checks and balances that we all look at in our, in our convoluted political system, which is what sort of keeps us from becoming a tyranny, totally. And one other thing, I, you know, um, regarding Obama, there were some things I didn't agree with, but I knew that in a diverse society, you're not going to get someone who supports all of your ideals and ideas. I also knew you can't just say, well, we're just pulling out our troops and everything will be fine, because that ends up leaving in its wake people uh, who will be vulnerable. So. That's what I wanted to say about those, those three things. But if, if somebody was a supporter of Bernie, and as I am, and felt sort of screwed by what happened, as I sort of did, um, if you really were paying attention to what Bernie Sanders was saying, please remember that he said it's not about him or whoever's Hillary or whoever's president or Donald. Um, it's about... Uh, you know, the, the people who are on local representation, it's about each of one of us as our own representatives. Um, and I think that Trump has indicated by things that he has said that he's going to change all that, including being hostile to the press, who he may not, who he may allow less access or more slanted access than we have already. So think really carefully before you vote. It is a very important vote. And yes, we've had silliness before, as your other author caller said, but here we actually have someone who is promising to change the system and, and not to be more democratic, it sounds like. Sounds like it's the know-nothing party uh, revived. Thank you. Thank you for your call, Janice. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. My guests in the studio today are Betsy Gerald and Tim Wilson, both of whom are voting green. And uh, Renee Trust, who has gone from voting libertarian today to being undecided. Ken Gleason, who is voting for Hillary Clinton. And the last person who is going to... uh, take on this last call and respond to this last call is uh, Thomas White, who is a Trump supporter. The phone number, if you'd like to join the conversation, this is our last check-in with this multi-partisan crew before the elections. The number here is 469-0500. If you'd like to join us, let us know how you're voting on Election Day and why. 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Thomas, I know you wanted to respond to that last caller. Yeah, I'll agree with the statement that no candidate represents 100% um, you or me, and it's hard to find somebody that does. Uh, to go along with that, if we were worried about the Constitution and uh, following the branches, let's talk about President Obama and his executive orders. Uh, he, in my opinion, has stepped over the line and has created almost a, tyr- a tyrant tyranny. To go with Donald Trump and his businesses, I'm trying I, – I was trying to find how many businesses he owned and the source, and I, mean, I, can't, I can't find the source, but one number was 500 businesses he's owned throughout his lifetime. Only 11 of them has, have officially declared bankruptcy. Uh, that's pretty good, pretty good odds in my book. To go with the women, I, I, don't, uh, I don't condone what he has said. I think it's wrong. I think – it was uh, – what are the words? Plain, yeah, just plainly wrong. He, there is no need for that uh, type of comment, type of uh, 
attitude attitude towards women. Bill Clinton, though, uh, John F. Kennedy, there is numerous presidents that have had issues. And from my understanding of the attitude at the con- of the country at that time was it's their personal life, it does not matter as long as their policies are worth it. I think Donald Trump has policies. If you go onto his website, he actually has plans. I went on this afternoon, and they are well-written, well, you know, bulletin points of what he plans on doing, how he plans on doing it. Even says how he's going to make Mexico pay for the wall through tariffs and tax on goods coming in. So I think, I think if you look at the policies and the issues, Donald Trump is the best candidate. Renee wants to weigh in, yeah. and then we're going to uh, shift gears here and talk about civility. Oh, I just have you know a quip as okay. usual. Um, I've been in a room with Donald Trump, and I was not groped. Recently, recently. say that recently. Yeah, yes, recently. recently. She was the photographer at the Bangor rally. Yeah, we have a celebrity amongst us. <laughs> so shifting gears, this is something that Betsy Gerald wanted to bring up last week, and it's been sort of the cornerstone. We this group. Um, with some variations, has been meeting since March to talk about the elections. And it was a little bit scary at first. But one of the things that we all agreed to, because we have such wide-ranging political beliefs in the room, was that we're going to keep the conversation civil, that we're going to be respectful of each other, that uh, tough questions were fine, but that personal attacks would not be tolerated. And we also were aware that we don't really get that many examples of that in the media. If you have people who disagree in the same room, in most media, they're screaming at each other, talking over each other, interrupting. And what's been remarkable here, well, I don't think anybody's changed anybody else's mind in this room necessarily. We're going to work on Renee today, though. (laughs) I've bit my lip a lot. (laughs) Is that people have been civil, you know, on air and and off air before and after the show. So that has been a great testimonial to all of you. And thank you very much for that. And so in that vein, and you had something you wanted to read yeah. and discuss about On the front page of the Free Press and on October 20th, uh, Mark Farrar, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, um, wrote an article about civility and... Um it's, I, I just want to read the first couple of paragraphs. I believe the bulk of humanity works hard to be kind and genuine. It can be a struggle, but most of us try to be the best people that we can be. This is not only a belief, it is also a personal choice. Believing the best in people makes it easier to trust to communicate, and when mistakes happen, to forgive and move on. A lack of communication, trust, and forgiveness makes doing even the simplest things incredibly hard. That's why the level of political discourse in this country is so disheartening. Without civility, communications shut down, people assume the worst of each other, small problems become big problems, and big problems escalate. So what do you all think about that? And uh, we can tie that into another topic that we wanted to discuss today, which is how do, how do we carry that forth after the election with such a divided country? Discuss. Amongst ourselves. <laughs> can, can I start? And, and callers, you can still call in 469-0500 if you'd like to join the discussion. This is Ken Gleason. This is Ken over here. Um, I'm, I've had this on my mind. How do, we, uh, how, do we, how do we resolve these differences and how do we after the election, whoever wins. Uh, I mean, I think one of the Trump's real gifts to us has been putting his finger on uh, some things that are bothering a heck of a lot of people, and he's, he's spoken up for, for them. I, th- I think his solutions, unfortunately, uh, fanning the flames, are not long-term good ones, but he, he, ha- he, is, he is a spokesman for... A lot of people that have had a lot of suffering and a lot of anger, and and uh, and I I think this would be great if this were a beginning of let's let's get together and talk about this in circles like we have here. Let's um, look for what we do have in common. I I mean, underneath all the differences in how we make the world better, people care about the country and care about uh, freedom and care about people. Not being slimed. Oops, I'm drifting here. Uh, so, uh, and, and and just quickly, there was a talking circle in uh, North Brookfield that I attended um, on Sunday afternoon, where a, a talking stick was passed around the group, and people just uh, told something about themselves. And the whole point of it was to get to know somebody better 
and uh, and be able to handle differences of opinions. And I thought that was an encouraging kind of a format. Were there a lot of differences of uh, or different opinions there? Because I get just hearing talking circle and talking stick, I'm guessing mm-hmm. that appeals to certain people more than others. Mm-hmm. Did that actually draw a range of political no, belief? No, it didn't. That one, that one didn't. It was kind of an introductory demo for the technique. But, but I could see that working. I really could. And combine it with uh, non Violent uh, communication principles and workshops. There's really a set of uh, skills along this line. Do you see the college Republicans from Maine Maritime Academy doing a talking stick, talking circle kind of thing? Is that something that would appeal? Mm. I I don't think so. I, I, not not well, just because not just because of uh, that we're you know we want to jump and everybody talk at once, but. Uh, where we're a different type of school. I see maybe something at like the University of Maine uh, where the talking stick would work, but at the academy we're a small, it's a small net community um, and I can't speak for the academy, but I just, I don't think that system would work well for us. I think we could sit around a table and talk and find the differences. Well, so the spaces could, that we could, meet at, how yeah. do we make them so well, that they appeal to everybody? In, in my other life, when I'm not running political campaigns and I'm running Food for Maine's Future, I go out and talk about food sovereignty issues to towns all over the state. And when I walk into those rooms, I would say more than half the people in the room are in, in a totally different political place than I am. There are a lot, you know, I am the most liberal person in the room. There's a lot of libertarians. There's a lot of people, you know. So I think that there are issues that bring those of us across the political spe- spectrum together. And I think that it's not so much a straight line as it is a circle that eventually, you know, those on the far right and those on the far left find, can find a lot of commonality. And I think the first time you and I ever met was at one of those food sovereignty gatherings. Probably. And and I'm a, you know, at the time, conservative Republican. You know, I do want to point out my views haven't actually changed. It's just that the the labeling part of it has has changed a little bit. Um, uh, Civility. I, I don't think there's any reason not to be civil. I think what what some people do is they get so emotional about it that it, it clouds their judgment. And, you know, because people are passionate. How can they help it? And, it, and there's a lot at stake a lot of times. And also when, you know, like I sit here biting my lip a lot because I'm hearing things that just make my blood boil, like progressivism. My goodness, it's the problem, not the solution. You know, I heard I heard a quote from our, our our governor this morning. He said the economy is driven by prosperity, not entitlement. And I so totally agree. So, um, you're conflating progressivism and entitlement? Well, it's I think what I'm seeing a lot is um Democrats and progressives are propping up entitlements. You know, they want to raise the minimum wage. They they want more programs for this that and the other thing. They want to prop up uh you know, that they have their mandates for solar and wind and all this instead of letting the free market um really innovate and um you know create and creators create they're squelching um productivity let's let ken's next but let me just say you're listening to main currents on weru we have about 10 minutes left to the program if you'd like to call in the number is 469-0500 469-0500 or toll free 1-866-625-9378 uh clinton supporter ken gleason is up next yeah hi i've, I've been biting my tongue too and there are about three things i want to say my memory is a challenge here but on the last point, I mean, there's a huge amount of creativity going in the solar, in the solar industry. Yes, but the and, government. Don't, don't interrupt. Don't <laughs> interrupt. And uh, the government's used to subsidizing the oil companies and all, all sorts of things. I, I, that's a trivial matter. I don't want to talk into the cr- mic. I don't want to get carried away with that. Um, and back to Thomas. You know, the circle, whether there's a stick, I mean, maybe that's too uh, liberal. Uh, but, but could you see getting, having a meeting with a half a dozen of your Trump supporters sitting down to get to know a half a dozen Hillary supporters sometime after the election? Would you be interested? I mean, I, I'm interested in getting to know. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually I've been working, uh, working to try to find a college Democrat group on our campus. 
and it's it's tough. Uh, those that do support the other side sometimes don't want to get involved, and I encourage everybody to get involved. And I've been working endlessly for the last – I'm a junior this year, and I've worked endlessly two years now to try to get a college Democrat group on campus with the college Republicans so we could have an equal side, an equal talk um, to each other so we could bounce ideas off each other Great. and have the debates. So, Great. yeah, that's something I – yeah. Great. Let's Let's keep – so let's, yeah. uh, let's talk. And I was next to the Libertarians at the mock election the other day, and we're – we've already exchanged emails, and we're going to be – I'm sorry. We're, yeah, we're going to be getting together after the election to talk about how to strengthen third parties because it's, a, it's an issue that we both can agree on. And Mary from Litchfield, welcome to Maine Currents. Hello. Um, I just went online to look up executive orders and who did the most. And in the last 20 years, it's, the chart says Obama has done the least uh, executive orders at 242, George Bush, 291, Jimmy Carter, 320, Ronald Reagan, 381. Those are just the ones I uh, wrote down. So, what's, your, what's your source, Mary? What site are you looking at? Well, I, did, I just looked, did the top one, which was the Daily Dot. Um, but uh, there were several different sites. They all had charts, okay. and they all show Obama has done the least. Thomas is going to let you know where he's reading. In the last 20 years. My, I'll take uh, my comments, off, uh, comments offline. Okay, Thank thanks, you. Mary. My question is, is the, 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 sev the severi sever severity of it, I mean, if I'm saying that right. So like how extreme the measures e extreme were? Extreme the measures are. Uh, for example, the... The executive orders, in my opinion, coming from the White House the last eight years are more policy that should be going through Congress. It's not, It's not. you know, an executive order is more like, you know, tomorrow is National Cat Day. Um, it's, that, it's to give the president some power to create, you know, a little day or here or to recognize somebody. It's not to create policy. Uh, the pr the president is the executive branch. They enforce the laws. They don't make the laws, uh, in my opinion. So. All right. Looks like we've got one more phone call coming in. We'll take that call, and that will be the last call we're going to take. Then we're going to have a quick go around, maybe one minute each, with people checking in with their last thoughts for you from the panel before you go out and vote. And then I'm going to let you know about upcoming election-related programming. So if you didn't get through today, you'll have a chance to do it another time. We've got Mike from Swanville back on the line. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I wanted to just join in on the subject about the, uh, you know, the constitutional limitations on executive power. And um, I just, you know, I, I think I think if you dig a little deeper, you're going to see that we're in an executive administrative tyranny and that the money power rules through the executive branch. And that, you know, unless people get oriented to the actual political situation we're in, they're going to completely be mystified every time a president gets elected based on, you know, your beliefs about politics or what, however they activate your beliefs about politics. And then they go ahead and rule exact accordance with what basically the bank wants. I mean, nobody saw NAFTA coming out of Bill Clinton. I don't think anybody saw knocking Libya over coming out of Barack Obama. And we've been handed several serial surprises by everyone. But in every case, they are doing completely the will of their masters. And uh, and literally, the masters are the uh, the owners of the country because the, the, the country is so deeply in debt that it's, it's actually the economic powers that continue to subsidize the, as the government by lending it money that have the silence um, rule. All right. Thank you for your call, Mike. And, and actually, NAFTA didn't start with Bill Clinton. That predated uh, him. But we're going to do a last check-in if you all have uh, one final thought. You wanna, do you want to go first? You went first last time. We'll do a go around yeah. this way. Uh, this is Thomas White. Uh, last thoughts for our listeners before they go to vote next week if they haven't voted already. Make sure, make sure you vote. It uh, doesn't matter who you represent or what party you represent or who, who you're supporting this election. Make sure you go out and vote. For Donald Trump, my my plea to you is try try to look at it as this is somebody with that hasn't been in what he calls the swamp. He has a different view of how everything's been run, and if elected or when elected uh, next Tuesday, he's going to look at it through the eyes of a business and clean up the the loopholes, in my opinion, and the 
the just the corruption, the the wasteful spending that has been driving this country down, and that and then look at also the House and the Senate. Those in the last couple of weeks have been uh, talked about being sw- swapped. So we have to look there because we could get Donald Trump as president, but he could lose the House and the Senate. So we're going to have to we're going to have to work together. It doesn't matter who gets elected. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Renee, trust briefly. Um, yes. Hello. I, w- I would also urge people to get out and vote, but I would I would um, stress, please do your homework. Um, there, there's a lot of referendum issues and they all sound good. <laughs> In my opinion, they're all bad. So I would, if I would urge you all to look into them and if you read them and you do not have to check a box, if you don't know about it, you can leave it blank. And I've done that before because I've been surprised when I get into the ballot box, uh, as to what's on it. Okay. Um, I, I also want to get a little plug in for our Senator Brian Langley, who is, um, had been a very, very good uh, legislator, and um, I guess they're rushing me. So I yeah, have to yeah, we're, we're we have about three minutes left, so about thirty seconds each. Go yeah. ahead, Ken. Well, quickly, quickly. Uh, vote for Hillary. Vote for yes on all the propositions. Vote for all the Democrats. That's my recommendation. I really think Hillary has been slimed for years. I think she is much, much better than than the, than the choir seems to think. The chorus. And uh, and I think money is number one. It's the it's not the politicians. It's the money behind, and they and they, and they give money to both sides. I think we got to make money less important in right. our country. Thanks. Thank you, Ken Gleason, Tim Wilson. Uh, yes, quickly, I would like to reach out to our newest uh, member of the Republican side and agree. Just get out and vote. And I'd also like to agree with Renee's. Go to original sources and on the referendums. Go to both the yes site and a no site. Get both sides, go to original sources, and cast your vote for what you think is right. Last word, Betsy Gerald. Yeah. And, and, yeah, go out and vote if you haven't already. Um, and I would agree with Mike in Swanville about it. It is the oligarchs. It is the money in politics. We really need to work on getting that out, and the way to do that is to vote for the non-corporate party, the Green Party. And I just have to say to Renee, I told you this would be political theater all season long, <laughs> and she didn't believe me then. I'm not sure whether she believes me now or not. All right. Well, we'll be meeting again next week to see how things went. You've been listening to Maine Currents. I'm Amy Brown. I'd like to thank our multipartisan panel, Thomas White, Ken Gleason, Renee Truss, Tim Wilson, and Betsy Gerald, and uh, John Greenman, who engineered today's show. This group will be meeting again next week at this time on Maine Currents to offer their reactions to the election results, and we'll again be taking your calls as well, so we'd like to hear from you then. Also, tomorrow morning from 10 to 11 here on WERU, I'll be hosting a special call-in show focusing on local and statewide elections and issues. We invite candidates, their supporters, people working for or against any of the citizen initiatives, and anyone who has an opinion about any of those issues. Again, just state and local to call in tomorrow morning, 10 to 11. It's going to be a soapbox-style program, so there's not going to be any guests in the studio or any panel, just you, the callers, and each person will get about three minutes You'll probably you'll get more time if you want it if there's no callers waiting behind you and that's more likely to happen early in the show. So call early, four six nine oh five hundred, the same number as today. And uh, yeah, so that's it up till the election. Election night, we'll have Democracy Now special coverage here, and Meredith DeFrancesco and I and Lawrence Reichert will be joining us as a commentator. He's a columnist for the Republican Journal. We'll be doing from 8 p.m. until at least midnight coverage of the returns coming in with local break-ins during the Democracy Now coverage. Go to our website weru.org for all the details. Stay tuned for Democracy Now coming up next, and then jazz straight ahead here on Community Radio WERU FM 89.9 Blue Hill 99.9. Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Thanks for listening. A couple of minutes before the hour of 5 o'clock, time enough to give you a little bit of a look at the weather. Detailed forecast tonight, mostly cloudy with low around 45, calm winds, rain mainly afternoon, Tomorrow on Thursday, high near 52, light and variable winds, 
Change, chance of uh, precipitation is 90%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and a half of an inch possible. Thursday night, rain, mainly before 3 a.m., low around 41. North uh, winds 7 to 9. Chance of precipitation is 100%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and a half of an inch. Friday, a chance of rain before 7 a.m., mostly cloudy the rest of the day, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 45. North winds around 14 miles an hour. We got a 30% chance of rain. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 30. Northwest winds 3 to 6 miles an hour. And again, you're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill 99.9 in Bangor, WERU.org. We're listener-supported. We are a voice of many voices, and we are volunteer-powered. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. WERU Community Radio has an open meeting policy, which means that committee meetings and board of directors meetings are open for public observation. The schedule of meetings is as follows. Development Committee, first Wednesday of each month, 6 to 7.30 p.m. Program Advisory Committee, second Wednesday of each month, 5.30 to 7 p.m. Finance Committee, second Wednesday.